When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company. Like super woke. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my coworkers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather, peanut gallery, long time no see, no can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work. Hey everybody. Michael Thiessen here, and you are listening to Open Mic with Michael Thiessen. This show is produced by Liberty Coalition Canada in partnership with ChristianWeek.org. Liberty Coalition Canada exists to establish Christ's justice and righteousness to help Christians understand what the Bible means about those things and to defend those who stand. Christian Week, as a small news organization, exists to provide a practical a balanced and hope-filled perspective on national and global issues. Head over to christianweek.org now to check out some good news articles. Well, today I'd like to welcome uh, lawyer James Kitchen on to the show with us. As many of you know, James is our chief litigator. Uh, and today we are going to be talking about an update on our Josh Alexander case. Uh, welcome to the show, James. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And folks, before we dive right into everything, want to again introduce you to our friends over at Rocklink Investment Partners. Uh, Rocklink Investment Partners are good friends of our ministry, and they are a management group focused solely on creating portfolios on high-quality businesses anchored in time-testing principles of value investing, and they do not shy away from essential businesses do that do not meet the World Economic Forum's definition of ESG. So email rocklink at info at rocklink.com or visit them at www.rocklink.com. And that is, again, rocklink with a C. So we're just thankful for those investment partners over there. So, uh, James, to kick us off right now, I want to read the legal update that we just put up on our website as of December 21st of 2023. I'm going to read that for everybody so they hear that, and then we're going to dive into your reaction to it and just thoughts about this case, because, of course, we are at a time of deciding what do we do. Um, in partnership with with Josh, you know, uh, how can we help him? Um, and 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 what do we do in order to represent Canadian freedom? So, everybody, here we go. Here's this case description from LibertyCoalitionCanada.com under the Josh Alexander case, December twenty first, twenty twenty three. Josh Alexander was a grade eleven student at Saint Joseph's High School in Renfrew, Ontario, until he was suspended 
issued a trans uh, trespass notice and then excluded from the entire remainder of 2023 um, by principal of uh, St. Joseph's, Derek Lennox, all because he expressed his Christian beliefs during class debates and on social media that there are only two genders, that students cannot switch between genders, and that male students should not be permitted into girls' washrooms. Uh, just as an ad note to this, everybody, this is the real world. I am, this is literally what has happened. St. Joseph's is a public Catholic school, part of the Renfrew County Catholic District School Board. And again, my added comment, obviously not run by biblical Christians. So kicking Josh out of school and having him arrested for expressing his Christian beliefs is, among other things, unlawful, uh, and it is unlawful religious discrimination. Through lawyer uh, and Liberty Coalition chief litigator James Kitchen, Josh has appealed the school board's decisions to suspend and exclude him from school. The appeals should have been heard over half a year ago, but the board unlawfully refused to accept Josh's appeals. Josh therefore had to go to court to force the board to accept and hear the appeal, uh, the appeals. On August 31st, 2023, Justice Hopper of the Ontario Superior Court of Justice found that Josh's appeals were valid and that the board was required to hear them. The appeals were heard in secret by a panel of three board of trustees on November 15th and 17th. Okay, James, I, I, I want to actually let you interact a little earlier before we're done this, but Am I right in understanding that the school board made a number of decisions or the local high school made a number of decisions and then the review process is that a small group from that same board reviews their own decisions? So good question. So you have to imagine the school board trustees as being separate from the administrators who do the day-to-day -day operations of the school board, which which is is true. Now that the school board trustees oversee them, they have ultimate authority for them, and that and they're given that authority because they're democratically elected to to do exactly that. But you know, it's the principals and the superintendents that actually run things. Okay, and and and, and I, because I've dealt with school boards, I can tell you that in the real world, principals and superintendents almost kind of do whatever they want. And they kind of push the trustees around, and most trustees, you know, they're they're not they're not really like, you know, forcefully fulfilling their role. They're kind of pushovers, and they just kind of they just kind of seem to like their role, and they don't really want to seem to do much, and they don't want to upset the apple cart. And um, I, I wouldn't necessarily have expected that, but that's often what I see: Catholic or public, it doesn't seem to matter. Um, and I think that's unfortunate. So, what happens is a principal makes a decision. Okay, and then and then the school board lawyers will defend the principal and they will make the principal's case to the trustees who then get to decide whether or not the principal's decision is good. Now, there is a little bit of a fox watching the hen house problem, as there always is with what lawyers call internal appeals. Okay, the trustees and the principals, trustees and the superintendents, they usually get along, right? They're usually on the same page. And is a, and is a trustee, trustee really going to have the courage to hold accountable these these superintendents or principals. 
Probably not. Usually not. Right. And, and, and this is fundamentally why these internal appeals are, are, are conceptually a bad idea. Okay. Now that's sort of a separate issue and we could talk about it. It plagues this country terribly, but that, that, that is a problem, right? This is not an outside independent person who has no problem coming in and saying, look, buddy, I don't know who you are and I wish you all the best, but you really screwed up here and I'm going to overturn you. And that's, that's why it's so wonderful to have judges. If you go back 75 years in this country before we had the administrative state, that's what you got. You got a judge who wasn't scared of what people thought of him, hopefully, and said, look, I don't know you. I don't wish you any ill, but you screwed up and you didn't follow the law. And it's my job to make sure everybody does. So I'm overturning your decision. Anyway, so, um, yes, there is, there, is, there is some sort of internal problems here with the school board lawyers defending the principal in front of the trustees who are already all on the same page anyway. You know, I mean, I wasn't even in the room. I attended this thing virtually. And I could tell that they, they all knew each other and they all liked each other and they all wanted to cover each other's butts. That's how it works. So the principal made the decision, the school board upheld the decision, and then, of course, on uh, re refused to hear, to hear um, uh, Josh's appeals, and then the court forced them to review the appeals that they, that they themselves had already been a part of the decision-making to make, and then a committee of three goes and reviews the decisions that those three have already been a part of making. So, okay, well, so yes, exactly. So let me stop you right there, right? Because what the trustees could have done, um, had, they have, had they had the moral clarity and courage, they could have stepped in and said, look, we actually run this show. That's what we were elected to do. And <clears throat> you have gone off, you lawyers, and the superintendent or the principal who's ever instructing the lawyers at the school board, you've gone off and you've denied this appeal, which was unlawful, and you shouldn't have done that because we're supposed to hear this. So let us hear it. They have the authority to do that. They could have done that. They didn't do that. In fact, now I don't know this. My guess is that the trustees were actively instructing the lawyers. We don't want to hear this. Do whatever you can to avoid us having to hear this because we don't want to hear this. We don't want to have to deal with all this and, and make this decision. We already know what we're going to do. Of course, we're going to deny Josh Alexander, but we don't want to have to deal with the fallout of that. So can you please make sure we don't have to hear this? That's my guess as to what happened. I think the trustees probably were involved and that's probably the instructions they gave to the lawyers. That's just, that's just my guess. I, I can't confirm that. Right. But I just, I want people to understand this, that ultimately as the tr elected trustees, you instruct the school board's lawyers and you could say, nope, this is what I want. Bring this appeal in. I've read the policy. He meets it. I want to hear these appeals. And they didn't do that. Right. And so and I think the thing that I'm just trying to dig down here is when you use the word internal appeal, we are talking about people reviewing their peers, reviewing yeah. the people that they work with and would, would have likely have already been totally involved in the conversation to not hear the appeals. So <clears throat> again, everybody, this all happens because Josh expressed his explicit Christian beliefs. Now, let me just read this again, that there are only two genders. Now, again, with, you know, when I was growing up 40 years ago, with the exception of, not, you know, without exception, the fact that there are two genders, the fact that we can 
biologically prove that, the fact that we can teleologically see that, the fact that all creation screams out that there are only two genders was absolutely non-disputable. This young man was kicked out for saying there are only two genders. Then he was kicked out for saying that students can't switch between genders. So, so this is the world you're living in, people. And furthermore, that male students shouldn't be permitted into going into female washrooms when we have in the last two or three years at least four cases of sexual abuse of young women in female bathrooms by transgenders, by cross-dressers. Now, I, I want to be uh, this. I want to be clear on something, um, and, I ha and I have to talk about these things because people can't figure it out for themselves. Because of course, they can't read the decision, which we're going to get into. The school board was really angry about the, the trustees. Sorry, the trustees were really angry about, really latched on to the fact that Josh said it was perverted for these boys who identify as girls, these transgender boys, to go into the girls' washrooms. He said that's perverted, and he said that he said that many times. Okay. And, you know, perverted is, is, is a word that I think is, can be, can be non-religious or can be religious. And for Josh, of course, he's highly religious. Everything is influenced by his Christian religion as it is for you and I as Christian beliefs. And so he says it's perverted because it, it is morally and spiritually, it is perverted to do that. Right. So he says that, right. He, he doesn't say it in a hateful way per se. He, he does say it in a stern way and in a strong way and in a convicted way. He is convicted that it is perverted as, as I am, as you are. Um, but the school board was very, very angry about that. And so when I say that male students should not be put into the girls' washrooms, I could, I could say that he said it was perverted for male students to go into the girls' washrooms. Now, for me, it's not that big of a deal. To, 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 it, that's the same thing, right? But for them, it's, it's almost like, well, we, we might have allowed a little bit of criticism of that, but you, you can't call these, these, these boys perverted. And if you do, it's extreme bullying. It's, it's definitely evidence of hatred and, and, and contempt and bias. You're definitely somebody who just hates these people if you're using that word. And I thought that was interesting because that was a window into their corrupted thinking about all of this, right? That they made such a big deal out, out of that word as if, as if that, that was like, you know, the worst problem in all of this. So just to be fair to what Josh actually said and, and to the fact that they are really, really upset about that. He didn't just say that students shouldn't be going, that male students shouldn't be going to get watch. He said it was perverted to do so. Okay. And just to be totally fair to that type of like, I, 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 this is good conversation, James, because, um, because people get desensitized by all of the barrage of um, inflammatory rage, but just, Type in transgender rape in female washrooms. Just type it into DuckDuckGo or wherever you go. And I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm looking at I, I article after article coming up with court cases and then clicking on them. I clicked on two of them really quick. One by the Washington um, um, one by the Washington Examiner and one by Fox News. <laughs> with pictures of men dressing like women who have been charged with raping a young woman. One, uh, one man looking to be in his thirties raped a 10 year old girl. We have like, like, it's just, so when Josh uses the word perverted and for our listeners, this is, this is a part of the bully tactic is to get you to try to neutralize everything 
to make everything sanitary so that nothing has meaning. What he means is th those people are using those bathrooms for a reason to have access to young women in a vulnerable state. And many, many times that leads to sexual assault. It is perverted. And so again, don't, Yes, they're upset about using that word, but there's context to that word. And the context of that word is young women holding their urine in for hours and hours on end because they're terrified of a guy walking into the bathroom and having them in a time when they're when, when they're exposed and, and when they're vulnerable. Okay. I mean, you know, yeah, put put this up against the Me Too movement of 10 years ago. Right? It, it, you know, <laughs> of, course, of course, the left eats itself, and that's something yes. that people need to remember. Yeah. That um, it's it, so okay. Let's move on. Everyone's maybe tired of my rambling. They want to hear about the decision. So the panel issued its decision on December eighteenth, and this is what we're going to talk a lot about. But in a shocking turn of events, James Kitchen, the panel has purported to order that the decision itself be withheld from the public. The panel cited the importance of privacy for whom themselves as somehow justifying such an outrageous violation of the open court principle. Okay. So those, there's two words here that people need to understand decision and open court principle. So can you explain those two legal terms to individuals as they're listening? So as lawyers, typically when we get a judgment or a decision, what we mean is actually the reasons for the decision. Now, that's how the decision is communicated. I mean, you, you know, if, if it's if it's 18 pages long, at the end of the 18 pages, you will see the judge's decision, right? And everything leading up to that are their reasons for how they got there. Okay. So the 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 school board isn't hiding that they decided against Josh, that in and of itself as a fact, okay. What they're hiding is the written reasons or the written decision. So I, I think, I don't know, I think it's like 20 pages long. So, and just it. to be clear about that, the written reasons are the substance of the evidence. Right. Like, so, like a, a judges, you know, of course, when Roe v. Wade was overturned and everybody's read that decision, I think so many people began to be introduced with like, oh, there's a like there's a lot of information in a decision. It's it's not just like the TV version of of uh, uh, how do you find the defendant guilty or not guilty? Like it's like they're you're they're showing you how they have analyzed the substance of the case, which is the evidence. Right. So yeah. So they summarize the facts. Right. They give they give you they give you what they think is 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 the summary of the facts. So the the findings of facts. So if Bob says blue and you know uh, Jim says green. Right. You uh, the judge has to decide. Well, was it blue or was it green? Who's right? Who's telling the truth? They have to make a finding of fact. They have to make findings of credibility. Right. And the the the, the panel of trustees did that did this in this case. You know, they, they, they universally found that everything the principal said was true and everything that Josh said that was, you know, potentially different or in Josh's favor was false. Right. And so, so they, so they make all these findings of fact, and then they say, well, what's the applicable law? And of course they ignored all the law I gave them. And they, they emphasized the law that was given to them by the, um, um, 
lawyers for the principal. And then they do their analysis, which is applying the facts and the and the law together. And, and that's where they really get into the reasons, right? The analysis, the actual thinking, if you can call it that in this case, of, of, of the decision that they come to, right? And that's, that's how any, well, that's how most legal decisions, that's what they look like, right? And if they're, if they're done properly, they will make citations to the record, which means to the actual evidence itself, there'll be citations. So they'll say, okay, I found that it was blue. Jim was telling the truth. And they'll say, okay, and this is at page four of the transcript taken on April 19th, 2016, right? They'll, they'll do that, right? Because that's just proper legal scholarship, okay? Uh, that didn't happen in this case. And I'm increasingly seeing that where decision makers um, have no sense of accountability have no sense of justifying their decisions, have no sense that anybody might ever overturn them or challenge them or like they have to explain themselves to the public. That's very scary, but predictable and in, in, in our slide away from the rule of law. I see it more and more. And um, so we don't get it in this decision, but normally you would in a proper decision. And so um, you, and then at the very end, like I said, you, you get you get the actual, and we, so we therefore, uphold the suspensions and exclusions against Josh. The principal was right. Josh is wrong. And we're not changing anything. And, and that's what that's what comes at the end of the of the of the of the decision that I'm talking about. OK, so. Right. OK, so the pretty, pretty obvious. I mean, most people can sort of somehow relate to um, the, the 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 history, if it's even if it's maybe not quite true, but, but culturally we can, we can relate to, okay, well, there's places in the world like Maoist China or Stalin, Russia, or, you know, current Iran or, or wherever, where we have courts and we have decision makers, we have judges, right? And they will just decide things, right? And there's no uh, requirement that they explain themselves, right? They, they can just, they can just decide whatever, right? And they do, they just decide whatever arbitrarily, and, and then there's no accountability and there's no public scrutiny and there's no access to their reasoning or, to, or, or analysis or to what they relied on or to what actual findings of fact they were or to, what, to, the, to the record that supported that, right? The whole, that's a closed court system, which means it's basically not much of a court system at all, really. I mean, can you have, an, can you have a court system that's actually at all what it should be if it's not open? Well, you can't. Right. And, and Western democracies understand that we've understood that for half a millennia, the open court principle, you know, that finds its roots in medieval England. That's how old a lot of a lot of our, you know, supposedly white colonialist ideas that are so terrible and oppressive. <laughs> they find themselves in um, Britain hundreds of years ago, who was 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 the foremost society for figuring out how to do proper rule of law. OK. And these are fundamental, good, morally good ideas, okay? This is how you have a, a decent society that's actually worth living in as a human being, okay? Is if you can have open decision-making where people can actually scrutinize it and publicly hold decision-makers accountable and there can be an open conversation, right? Things aren't hidden. When things are hidden, corruption fosters. That's, that's, just, that's, just, that's just history. That's human nature. That's just how it works, right? I don't think anybody who's reasonable would disagree with me on that, okay? So the open court principle is the idea that you can, you can talk about your own case. You can publicize it. People can attend the hearings. They can read the decisions. They can publicly talk about and publicly challenge the decisions, the analysis, 
or the person making the decision and whether or not they had a conflict of interest and she should be the one doing it, right? And they can they can clamor for change uh, of the law or for changes of who the decision makers are. Um, they can they can uh, um, they can publicly support those who are fighting this case by donating to them because they actually are aware of it, right? Think about how fast you're going, how much more fast you're going to lose your rights if all the cases involved in defending everybody's rights are sealed up, made secret. We can't talk about them. You don't know about them. You don't even know they exist. So you can't, even if you had the money, uh, you can't donate towards them. And so then, then they then they don't even happen anymore. I mean, think about how you know a government if they just want to. They just want to tyrannize and take over everything, right? And shut everything down, every challenge. So then this is one of the ways you're going to do it. You're going to, you're going to strike out the open core principle, right? You're going to make sure you get decision makers in there who have no regard for it and make everything secret. Because once it's secret, you can do whatever the heck you want. Right. And so I, I want to point out the, I want to point out to everybody, the, the sinful nature side of this, where, so I think some people, James, when they hear you talking or when they hear me talking, they hear other people, they go, oh, come on. It's like, Again, James, with the big government conspiracy thing and what's going on, folks, and, and you know it, and, and I, hopefully because you're listeners to this podcast, you're seeing a changing of worldview from, uh, uh, the, the, um, from the, the bedrock principle of honesty and transparency, right? Um, the, the biblical principles that um, an, an honest man is a transparent man that 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 light shines into the shadows and exposes the darkness and that's a good thing and so you know any man that you know and, and guys i'm going to be hard on you in this and, and you know, let's, let's not be hard on the guys let's be hard on the guys and the girls because it's different stuff but any guy or girl you know who wants to hide their phone from you like if, if some person if you ask to borrow someone's phone and, and they can't just give you the code really quick like they're hiding something. There's something on there that they're afraid of getting caught with. And so this whole idea that when James talks about government corruption, what, what we're saying is, is when the, when the society's worldview moves away from a, um, a virtuous liberty, which is highly dependent upon faith in the Lord and the belief in all of these principles of the rule of law, it tilts as a worldview into a very selfish and secretive world because the only standard is the person, the people around you who are just trying to eke out a living. They're trying to make it. And if they're at the top, they're not trying to just eke out a living. They're trying to eke out a great living with zero accountability. So the way it happens with the school board type situation is, is like, well, if we call this principle out, then we've got a legal case at every, at every school in Canada, because we we've, We've wholeheartedly accepted that boys can go into girls' bathrooms. And if, and if we let this thing happen, well, then – well, and then all of our friends on all of the other school boards who are sitting back as trustees making cash loads of money doing very little work, uh, then they're going to be upset. at it. And so what happens is, is when you replace the principle simply with the art of survival – when you replace the authority of God, the supremacy of God, with the principle of the authority of the mob, this stuff happens naturally. Now, 
when James refers to a government wanted taking over, yes, there's some people at the top who are going, this is fantastic. This is, this is the gravy train until I die. I, I, no, no judges are going to question what I do. Everybody wants to keep secrets. And this is, this is literally how communist countries operate because if it's done in secret, you don't know, you don't know the consequences. You don't know what real people are going through. You would not hear of Josh's story. Um, I'm thinking of one of the, I'm thinking of one of the, the Dutch prisoners, one of the Dutch pastors who was taken captive um, um, in the second world war. And he was, um, he was actually called a spy by the Nazis. And so they held him on and they actually starved them. And then right before trial, about, about three or four weeks before trial, they started feeding these Dutch pastors so that when they came to trial, they looked normal. So secrecy is a problem. It always has been. And if you don't have anything to hide, you don't mind openness and transparency. That's what this principle is all about. Back to you, James. So, um, and okay. So I need to speak briefly to why this is so shocking. I mean, I don't think much is shocking anymore. I really don't. I'm pretty cynical. I, I expect all time, all types of terrible things. Um, and and it, I think it just goes to show how bad the world is that even sometimes I'm surprised at how bad it gets. Um, so there was a publication ban in place on this file. Now, what I mean by that is there's certain things that we can't publish. Okay. So that I can't talk about here that I can't post on the LCC website. Right. So the obvious example is, you know, there's, there's, there's obviously individuals that are under 18 involved in this case. It's, it's a case about at a, at a high school. Okay. So there was an immediate publication ban consented to by me that we not name those people's names. Cause normally, normally the open core principle means you can talk about anything and everything and everybody involved. Okay. So if you have a scandalous divorce case, you could talk about everybody involved in it, unless there's a publication ban to protect those identities, which, you know, sometimes happens in divorce cases. Um, so that was already in place. Okay, fine. That's actually pretty normal. I don't care. I'm, I don't want to dox some random 17-year-old kid, even if it's a boy taking his penis into a girl's washrooms. I don't want to dox him publicly, Okay. And there's, everybody, there's, you need to just hear the self-control in that with James, because again, Josh, Josh doesn't get all the secrecy. Like, like the, the publication ban, maybe the publication ban includes Josh, but all of this is centered around Josh has had to pay this price for just speaking out publicly. And still we are carefully protecting the identity and 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 the and and respecting the privacy of of these other individuals that are that are involved and actually causing the problem. Now, I I will dox someone who's eighteen or older and taking this penis. Yeah, into the floor. I think that's a fair balance, right? At that point, it's okay. You're a man. I'm going to hold you accountable like a man. Okay, but if you're still seventeen or younger, I'm going to say, you know what? You're probably a victim of brainwashing or whatever it is. And, you know, you're still a human made in the image of God and loved by God. And, and I, I'm going to respect the fact that you're probably yourself a victim of all this stuff that's, that's corrupted your mind to make you think all this stuff. So that's fine. I consented to that, right? 
And and then what happened is I said, well, look, and and, and I and you can see the emails on the website, and, and and you can see the interaction I've had with with the lawyer for the school board trustees. I posted that I want people to be able to see that, so that um, they can at least hold me and the school board lawyer accountable by actually seeing what we said to do each other in an email, you know, unadulterated. Um, uh, so I, I, as I typically do in cases where the pub publication bans, I say, look, I'm going to, I'm going to publish this. I want to give you notice. I'm going to do this. It's out of courtesy. Okay. So what happened initially is I published the, um, our legal argument. So literally our legal brief, I published that and I published Josh's will say statement, which is just a statement, a summary of what he's going to say in testimony. It didn't name anybody. I published these. And then the school board, then the trustees got angry and said, well, you can't publish that. It's covered by the publication ban. I said, well, no, of course it's not because nobody's named in that. It's just a bunch of legal argument and a summary of what Josh is going to say, which he's been saying and what's the big deal. And they said, no, everything's covered in secrecy. And at that point I thought, okay, well, everything is, but the decision won't be. Because typically when we have a total publication ban like that, where everything's covered, the decision, of course, isn't. That would be absurd, right? You know, we're not talking about a decision in a, in a national security case where there'd be like, you know, spy secrets that would be that would be delivered to the public if the decision was issued. It's not the type of case we're talking about. It's literally the only types of cases where where you would get uh, some sort of sealing of the actual decision itself. Okay, so I thought there's no way it applies to that. So then I so then I I asked I didn't I didn't ask for permission to issue the decision. I told them I'm going to issue this, and that's when they came back and said, Well, no, you can't because that's also covered by the publication ban. And I thought, Well, that really is that's really shocking because that's it's, it's it's so absurd. Right. That it, it, it tells you that they have absolutely no concern about what the public's going to think, about about what uh, the political class might think, about what a reviewing court might think, that they would do something as absurd as saying, we're not going to even give you our reasons about about a high school student being suspended and excluded. We're not going to give you our reasons for that. We're going to keep that entirely secret. It's just so absurd. Like it's it's like there's not even any self-respect at this point, right? I mean, self-respecting trustees ten years ago wouldn't have done something. Just ten years ago, wouldn't have done something as absurd as that. You're making you're making a joke out of yourself. Like you're make you're making a clown out of yourself when you do that. I, right. When you and I first talked about this, can you still try to help people? Can you try to help people understand like the other types of things? that would be sealed for, on a publication ban on that type of decisions. Like you've mentioned spy stuff, which by the way, the more and more corrupt things get everybody, the, the less and less you can actually trust your spy agencies to, because again, they're just, they're just reporting up to the chefy. So transparency might need to come in a lot of areas, but, but like we're, we're talking about like the, the nuclear codes, right? Like we're, we're talking about a level of national security that is so is so beyond is so so out of the world of what we're talking about here. You might get it in and and even here it would probably be partial, not complete like it is in this case. If you get two companies who sue each other over intellectual property stuff, so there's trade secrets, right? There's some new secret formula on how to make transparent aluminum for example if you're a Star Trek fan, right? One company I believe has you used the word transparent aluminum in a conversation about trans kids, but okay, that's fine. <laughs> so it, it, is transparent aluminum a thing or is it also fiction? Well, it's, it's, it's from Star Trek. So it's fiction. exactly, it's also fiction. 
like okay. transgenderism, fiction. <laughs> okay, so in that type of case, you have, you have trade secrets, you have patented secrets, you have intellectual property. So those will, those will be uh, secret. Again, the whole decision won't be just those parts of it, okay? You would also get it if there's some sort of like um, government secrets, that's more the spy thing, but it can be broader. But if there's some sort of, you know, government secret in a, in a, in a case, that would be withheld. Or if you have some sort of police secret, like how they do sting operations, right? You don't want the other criminals reading the case and figuring out how this works. You would you would withhold that. Again, you would not withhold the whole decision. You would just withhold the parts, and they may be large parts. They may be whole paragraphs at some points. But you would you would only withhold those parts of the decisions. It would be rare that you would even withhold the whole decision on the basis of these of these secrets. But it's these sort of trade secrets, police secrets, government spy secrets. These are the type of secrets that would justify. Uh, the public not having access to them in a, in a, in a decision. And that's it, right? It's not, I mean, you, you can see that you can see the massive gap, okay, between something as important as a, as how the police catch criminals and how somebody's invented this new formula to change the world. These are actual things that we want to actually protect the secrecy of in, in a limited way, right? Or, or that it's required to re reflect the secrecy for like two businesses are in a lawsuit it, it 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 is not of public interest. It, it it like they're in lawsuit over the privacy of or the ownership of something. It's not actually public interest for every person to be able to read and look at the formula of what they're doing so that they can then steal it. Like like it, it's a it's a totally different form of privacy and secrecy. It because that is that the court is getting to the nature of ownership. And the reason why ownership would want to be exploited and made public is because it's already being stolen. Like it, it all of these principles go back to basic 10 commandment stuff, people. Yeah. But the reality of it is, is in those ownership cases. Okay. So in this case, the secrecy has been, uh, and, and, and the, um, the sealing of the reasoning for this decision has been made. I'm going to read I'm going to read our legal summary of this and have you interact with it. So predictably the panel of 3 trustees ruled against Josh. So they validated as you said everything the everything the principal did and and then this is this is this is our summary and I want you to ex expound on this as much as you can, expand on it. But the decision uh the panel's decision has all the indicators it was written by a woke activist, such as reference to ideological buzzwords like dead name and phrases such as using the bathroom of the gender to which they identify. Perhaps most egregiously, the panel adopted the fallacy that only religious beliefs quietly held inside the student's head should be protected by the law. According to the panel, religious students who believe in only two sexes, that people cannot change their sex and that biological boys must not enter the girls' washrooms are not permitted to speak out loud about those beliefs if doing so disrespects a transgender student and makes them feel unsafe. So uh, Compelled speech or controlled speech based upon the testimony and feelings of another person 
regardless of reality. I want to I want to point out two or three things here that people have heard me say likely a number of times and give it give it to you. So so number 1 the word ideology. I just want to want want to remember to every, everybody this is an ideological battle. The, this, these are a battle of worldviews. You can go to the uh, Toronto Hospital for Sick Children today. You can look at their transgender clinic, and you will see on that website today, at one of Canada's leading hospitals, that their definition of um, transgenderism is that this is an ideology, not a pathology. It, they themselves admit we have made a religious commitment to this. We've made a we've made a philosophical commitment to these truths, and therefore we are making these decisions. And so you hear that again in these ideological phrases like dead name and like the gender to which they identify. You have to accept the fact that someone can change their gender in order to even give that as rational. These are religious commitments. And Christian, in a world where we want to maintain a just and righteous society, which leads me to my next point, you can't do that outside of reality. Like just and righteousness, justice and righteousness does not mean everybody gets to live in their make-believe world and and there's no rule of law. That that is not a Christian vision of law and justice, nor is it a, a Western tradition. So this leads us to that next point where they've adopted the logical fallacy that, um, that you can't speak about any of this out loud, or at least certain people can't speak about this out loud, which means you can't question the reality they're presenting you. So those two things, I, I said three things, I, maybe two. Two things is this is a religious commitment. They're making these decisions because of ideologies. And then number two, they're actually causing the Christian to deny reality and keep quiet about a, a, a like an like a, a completely upside down reality. Um, actually, the, the third thing was this, James, and the place where they'll let you be free is in your own brain. That's, well, I mean, that's at least as far, that's as far as they're pushing. They're pushing you into here, which we all know full well is not actual freedom. So, James, why don't you jump on that? Because, of course, this brings up the tension about, well, aren't you restricting the freedoms of these trans boys? Like, it, it, it's a back and forth. And so that's why I made those three points. There's religious commitments here. There's um, a, there's a, a, a commitment to restricting freedom right all the way inside your mind that has nothing to do with reality. So go ahead. So, you know, and, and this is one of the reasons I would want this decision released is I think this is a big deal that I think people struggle with intellectually. OK, because you, you, you're, you're typical emotional, agnostic, secular person of any age, obviously, especially if you're younger, is going to say, well, you can believe whatever you want, just keep it to yourself, right? You, you, you hear various versions of that commonly from people who, you know, haven't studied history and don't think about this stuff and really don't care. They just want to, you know, be comfortable and never hear an idea they don't like and all these stupid religious people that are holding back progress. I mean, fine, believe what you want, just keep it to yourself. You hear this type of thing all the time, right? 
And so, which is bad that like the regular person is sort of, I don't know, foolish enough or ignorant enough to, to, to believe that and, 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 and to utter that. But then it seeps into actual decision making. Right. And, 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 and a lot of these, a lot of these terrible ideas, I mean, you know, everybody laughed at the idea of some crossdresser 20 years ago. Right. The trouble is that, you know, we, we, we laugh at these ideas and sort of, sort of, I guess, assume or hope that, well, you know, decent thinking people aren't going to go for this stuff. I mean, the climate change stuff, right. I mean, everybody was laughing about globular warming in the 1990s. And it's like, now it's driving policy and it's ruining millions of people's lives around the world. We used to laugh at it. And it's the same thing with this with this transgender madness. And um, so when you when when I see these types of unintellectual, emotional, stupid uh, ideas, I mean, you know, quite quite patently stupid ideas, uh, make make their way into a decision from adults, th supposedly thinking adults. I mean, I mean, I, I could tell you by by looking at these individuals, every single one of them was over the age of sixty. I think a couple of them were, you know, perhaps, perhaps even into their seventies. I mean, there was this, you know, nice looking old lady who was on this panel. Uh, and these, these were older, presumably Catholic people who, 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 who were, who were school board trustees. They are adults. They are, they are more adults than I am. I'm not even 40 yet. So, um, these are supposedly thinking adults who are, who are, who are saying this stuff. Now, obviously the lawyer wrote this decision, but the trustees had to read it and sign off on it, presumably. Um, and, that they would they, that they would go in for that type of fallacy and then try to implement it legally is terrifying to me, okay? Because I know I know from history where that type of stuff leads. When you when you when you when you when you lack the intellectual rigor and you and you lack the the ability to see the implications of adopting that fallacy, we're we're, we're <laughs> I know I've said this a lot. We're in a really bad place. And we're, we're heading to an even worse place, right? If you can only manifest your beliefs in your head, think about where that goes. Even if you're not a student of history, you can probably sort of, if you just take a moment and think, what does that mean? Where does that go? That means I can, I can go to church in my closet, but I can't go to church outside anymore. I can pray in my head, but I can't pray out loud. And of course, you know, again, people like me would say the slippery slope, it's real, okay? You probably, some of you might be aware of cases in, in England and other parts of the English-speaking world where you can't even pray in your head anymore because let's face it, tyranny, like sin, never stops. It's insatiable. I saw a video, which I'm sure some of you have, of the woman who was praying silently in her head outside the abortion clinic in England and the police came and arrested her for doing so. Right. So when they say, oh, just keep it to yourself and in your head, they don't even really mean that. OK, so well, the fact and, that we're and we cannot we, we, and we cannot help the or we cannot help the the Overton window here, James, like folks, you have to th this is an in, this is a, an encroachment on everything. We I remind you what we're talking about, about the basic identification of boys and girls the basic protection of vulnerable women when they go to the bathroom. This is what this has been. This, this, this is what they're giving up. And so I, I know James that we're already saying, yeah, that that's not true that, that they're only going to let you have this space, but they are just biting in and biting in totally on the management of this. Now, look I, again, James, as I do when we are 
when we are unpacking these things, I, I try to flip it around for the person who's asking the questions. Well, you Christians, you want to do the same thing you, you, by restricting a boy who wants to pretend he's a girl from going in and raping women. You're restricting him. Yeah. You're actually telling him that the thoughts inside his head are incorrect, you oppressor. So sure. this goes you, to this whole conversation about reality and and where the rule of law has come from. And I, I just don't I don't I don't want to skip over that type of cross-examination of ourselves. So 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 deal sure, with that. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as saying to somebody who is, um, you know, uh, attracted to the feeling of their fist hitting the faces of other humans. Um, they find that pleasurable, and that's what they're attracted to. And um, I am restricting and oppressing them when I say that they cannot uh, punch people in the park. Yes, I am. Okay, that's what it means to live in a society that's not based on anarchy. Okay, I think it's John Locke. Correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while. I think it was Locke who talked about, you know, this brutish world in which there is absolutely no law and order. Right. And everybody just does whatever they want. Right. And they just they all kill each other and hurt each other and rape each other. And you know, just the, the toughest and luckiest uh, at the end are still alive and running their own little tiny tyrannies and everybody else is dead or beaten up or raped. Um, that's what you get in, in anarchy, right? It's, 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 it's might is right. And that's it. Right. In in that world, nobody's oppressed except for the fact that everybody's oppressed by the most br brutal person around who was able to beat up and rape everybody else and collect all the power and wealth and whatever to himself. Okay. So, Yes, in a world where we, we create a society that's actually worth living in as a human, we restrict and oppress, if you want to call it that, people from doing certain things, like punching other people, like stealing from people, like going into a house and ripping open the door and staring at a woman while she changes, or sticking your penis in her against her will, right? We restrict those types of things because those societies aren't, aren't worth living in. If we live in those societies as humans, we're, not, we're doing no better than living as animals, really. Because that's what animals do. They rip each other apart, right? They do whatever they want to each other, okay? I mean, obviously, there's some order in nature that God imposed, but you know what, you know what I mean, right? So that's – and it's not that hard to figure that out, right? I mean, that's the thing, right? We've, we've fallen so far intellectually that now I have to intellectually defend this against somebody who probably doesn't even want to listen intellectually because everything to them is just emotional. And right? I, they I actually want to jump in on this point. Folks, yeah. the other context of this, the, 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 the context of this conversation is we're talking about the educational system. So I also want to remind everybody, and I'm going to even remind you, James, as my, as my brother here. For many years, for, for probably my lifetime, um, 1948, you read the United Nations uh, Education and Science and Cultural Arm, UNESCO. And the solution to humanity has been education. 
the problem with humanity has been identified with ignorance. And so the solution for the ignorant animal primitive man, woman, is to bring reading and writing into their life. Now, there is an element of that that is true, that ignorance, the ability to like, you, being able to acquire knowledge is helpful and it is empowering, of course, being able to acquire knowledge. But James, even with what you were just talking about there, we're having to explain things intellectually because people have in their in their in their hearts turned away from intellectual truth it it is a it is an a b scenario a accepting a religious world view that is based upon creational reality plus information and knowledge equals wisdom and the rule of law people are not intellectual you know the vast majority of people like in this education system it's not the fact that education in itself the structure the idea of passing on knowledge from one generation to another or expanding a children's understanding of life by reading books and teaching them uh, science and those types of things it's not that education in and of itself is that education has been pointed in a direction that is anti-intellectual because it is rebellious against the very created reality that god has created but you have to accept that god has created that reality before that you can then point education in the right direction so this is another example where james you're having to explain this intellectually to intele intellectuals who are rejecting intelligence well it's 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 pretty simple education without morality and truth is 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 actually not simply useless worse than useless if you take if you take a person who doesn't know truth and doesn't have morals and you educate them you just empower them to become and do more evil and that's what we get over the last couple of decades in the western world right you have to have the morality and the truth that comes from Jesus or else everything's going to be a mess. You're, you're, you're not going to make things better. I, I, I have a, I have an acquaintance who I find it interesting because I, she's, she's very hopeful that just more conversation, more dialogue, more education, more people becoming informed will lead to things being better. And I mean, I, again, there's an element, there's a kernel of truth to that, but 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 that's only the case if it's in, it's informed and infused with morality and truth, and specifically the morality and truth of Christianity from Jesus, right? And that's where somebody who has the same goals of of freedom and tolerance and education for everybody, uh, her and I share those goals, but you know we don't come from the same starting point because. I have this overtly Christian approach to that. Well, and let's just talk about that. And an overtly Christian worldview can teach subjects without like coercing people in to uh, Christianity. Uh, the, the point I'm trying to make is this. If you accept 
that God created them male and female, the way that Josh literally spoke out loud in his classrooms, then you can biologically and scientifically investigate all of the differences between maleness and females. You, you can look at a male and go, I know he's a male with certainty because of all of these things. You can look at a female and go, I know she is a female with certainty because of all of these things. But you've accepted the idea. And now we're seeing literally when you reject the idea. So you can go and you can go to math and you can say, okay, understanding the basic premise that God created the world with order. Let's investigate that world. And then we can teach mathematics. But if you reject the idea that there's any order, you can't actually teach mathematics because two plus two can mean whatever. Let me just read it. Let me just read. Let me just reread. Um, let me just reread the the, um, the the summary of decision. According to the panel, religious students who believe that two plus two equals four or that if you multiply four times four, it equals 16, and that 16 boys can't fit into a single stall of a female bathroom and make it comfortable for a female. If you believe those things, you're not permitted to speak out loud about these beliefs if doing so disrespects a transgender student and makes them feel unsafe. So it, it's of course it's happening around sexuality because that is where we all struggle with lust. We all struggle with perversion. When Josh uses the word pervert, he describes every male on earth who lacks self-control, the two in the room, not excluded. Like we all, and women who have their own sexual perversions for their own reasons. Of course, it's happening around that area. But in this absurdo world, mathematics is included. What, what if two plus two equals four offends a non-binary one? Okay. The whole concept of binary is ones and zeros, is it not? And when you're non-binary, you don't believe in the mathematical ones and zeros. Like everything's fluid. It's an actual mathematical reference, isn't it? I, I'm looking I'm, at it right now. I'm positive. It's like the whole binary language is around mathematics. Well, yeah. I mean, there's two genders and there's, so there's binary. There's only two, right? I mean, that's, you know, non-binary means the idea that you're, you reject that you're being either of one of those two. You're something else that doesn't exist. But it comes you know? from binary code language. It probably does. I don't even know. I just... <laughs> So, okay, all okay. this to say, so, the, panel yeah. goes, the panel goes yeah. on, and they've sealed this. Uh, back to you. Okay, so, um, so here's what I want to say to people, okay? Um, I think it's important that the public have access to this decision for a lot of reasons, obviously. Like, there's the principled reasons of we should always have access anyways, okay? But I think you need to see what this panel is saying, okay? One of my goals with what I do with my public litigation, okay? So I, I, I publicly litigate these cases in Canada. That's an unusual thing. That's a very American thing. Um, 
I'm, I'm a maverick in, in uh, Canada that I do that. Um, obviously, there's a few lawyers that, that, that do similar stuff to what I do at the, at the Democracy Fund Justice Center, etc. But it's, it's very, very rare, okay, in Canada. Um, I do it to help in the little way that I can people, who, the ones who are paying attention, to see what is going on. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help them see their own demise before it happens, because I believe I owe that to Canadians, because I believe that God calls me to love people and serve people as much as I'd like to go live in a cabin in the woods. And trust me, I would. I'd rather be doing that than this, to be perfectly frank, if I'm being selfish and just wanting to keep everything God gave me for my own purposes. Okay. One of the reasons I do this is because there is a glimmer of hope for me, as pessimistic as I am, that if I can just expose more and more and more before it's too late, people might wake up a little bit or enough. They might see what our decision makers are doing and what they're saying, and they might decide that they need to do something about it. Okay. And I don't see that happening nearly enough in Canada. I, I see very few other lawyers doing that. And so when I can't give a decision, the reasons for that decision to the public, uh, I get very concerned and, and, and I get, I think it's a very big deal because we get to the point where I can't even do that anymore. And which tells me we're running out of time, right? The tyranny that I keep warning about, that I've been warning about for, for all of my short career is, is getting really close when I can't even do that anymore. Okay, so we have a decision here where um, you have some, some massive fallacies like them saying, you can just keep your decision. You can just keep your beliefs to yourself. That goes against all the law that we have, although that's where the law is going. That's where it's changing to. Okay. The law that we have that actually protects religious freedom in this country, it's shifting to that. That's why they think they can get away with saying it. Okay. So there's that. And then they go in and they, and they, and they say, and this is the next paragraph that you haven't read yet on the, on the website. Uh, they say, look, this case is not at all about Josh's beliefs. It's not about anything he believes or anything he says. Okay. It is just about trans kids being upset and Josh being this hateful, biased bully towards them. Okay. Now, now, even though you haven't read the decision, anybody who's listened to us talk about Josh's case at all, okay, knows that that's patently not true. Okay. They can use their eyes. They can use their ears. They can use their brain and they can say, this case is obviously about Josh's religious beliefs that are offensive and that people don't like. It's obviously about the fact that he's expressed those beliefs by saying, hey, you can't do this and it's perverted to go into the bathroom, etc." That's obviously what the case is about. So the school board in their decision has gone out of their way to repeatedly say, this case is not about that, okay? Which is scary because what that, what that means is the school board is saying, yes, we know that you see a pine tree over there. But we're going to tell you over and over and over again that there is no pine tree, that what you see is an illusion, that you are actually, in fact, you're wrong. Okay, this is the emperor has no clothes type thing, but it's, it's on a very serious level. And, I, and it's, on, it's on an Orwellian level, right? If you just keep lying to people and telling them there is no tree, they will eventually doubt that there's a tree. And you will eventually be able to brainwash them and convince them there is no tree. Right. To use the obvious historical example, if you just keep telling people that Jews are not real human beings. Then you can murder them 
And that's exactly what the Nazis did, right? And it worked. And forget about forget about the Nazis. Folks, this is affecting every area of life. Forget about historical references to Nazis now. Look at the moral equivalency between the mass murder and rape of Hamas and Israel's yeah, I was going to uh, get there. Israel's response. I, and, and, and so, folks, like you, you're hearing this everywhere. The left wants you to deny your eyes and your ears. Just this week, Francis Collins, all around Twitter, you see Francis Collins sitting out going, you know, when we were making all of those COVID mandate suggestions, we weren't thinking about all of these things. We were just fixated on this. And, oh, wait a minute. I think, think James Kitchen, Mike Thiessen, and... Uh, I think uh, Dr. Brian Bridal. I think I think uh, we we had a we had a retired Canadian Colonel on talking just weeks into the pandemic about the fact that when you deal with a, an emergency, you have to take into all considerations. And for years, people have given over to this propaganda, folks. This is happening everywhere where people are saying, "Deny what your eyes see and your ears hear." Now they're doing that. And it's, it, it's, it's really, it's really negative. I, I interrupted you, James. I want to let you finish. So it's, it's not just that the panel ruled against Josh. It's, it's the terrifying uh, rejection of truth and of reason in the decision for how they get to denying Josh. That's what really uh, concerns me. And that's what, that's what really upsets me about the fact that people can't see the decision. Okay. Because they can't see how bad it's getting with these decision makers. They can't hold them accountable. Okay. I can't give that decision to people and say, please wake up. This is where we're going. This is how bad it's getting. Okay. That's, that's, that's what's so concerning about this, right? If it was just some plant bland decision that, that just said that somehow, I don't know, somehow, and, and, and this is part of it, right? Because the case is so obviously, because all this is so obviously unlawful, because Josh is so obviously in the right, they have to come up with absurdities to rule against him. And then they're stuck with this. We have to be absurd to rule against him. We have, we have, we have this predetermined outcome that we have to arrive at. There's no way to get there other than, other than absurdities. So what do we do? Do we, do, we, do we give that to the public and expose our absurdity? Or do we just simply hide behind some false pretense of privacy and hide it so we don't have to deal with it, right? So now here's the one good thing I'll say. The fact that they the, the fact that they seem to have something to be afraid of, that they seem to have something to hide. Okay, because they could have just released the decision and said, Well, we are so um we care so little what people think because we are so powerful. We'll or we're so confident. We're so confident. We'll just go ahead and release the decision, whatever, right? So the fact that they are hiding it is a little bit of a good sign, insofar as they still have some measure of fear, and that's good. I, I think that I, I want to help you rephrase that. It's not a good sign. The fact that they're highly hiding it simply means that where there's smoke, there's fire. And like there's something wrong. So, so I know what you're yeah, saying. You're saying it's good that it is still so shameful that it is still obviously wrong to those of us who are listening. The problem is that it's a successful strategy that they are engaging with. So, yes. Okay, a few things. Yes. I, 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 I want to say, I want to just take us to where do we go from here next? Because, you know, yes. some of my, some of my key listeners, including members of the board, 
who probably won't listen to this episode because they're listening to Liberty Dispatch or something. Sometimes <laughs> I get accused of just being angry. And I have to admit, James, like it, it's really hard even reading the careful legal updates that we're giving here. It's really hard. You mentioned 70-year-olds. you People whose, whose fathers would have fought in the Second World War. Like my mom is in her 70s. My grandfather fought in the Second World War to fight evil. And it, it's like you're saying, hey, these people, like they're more adults than us. They're in their late 70s. And they're denying that a man can be – that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Like this is the level of – insanity that we're doing simply because of greed and deception. And so I get, I get angry and I get animated and folks like it, it's just partly because we're trying to get the word out. So, so may, maybe just forgive that intensity sometimes in me. I want to get to what do we do next? And before James goes, because there's a, there's a, there's a Liberty coalition Canada call right now that James is going to give. I just want to say, Christian parents, you, you have got to get your kids out of any public school, any Catholic school. There is no more excuses. It's got to be done. There may be very rare extenuating circumstances, like if you're in a divorce, if you've gone through a divorce and your spouse will not give you the custody to do this, will not give you – okay, we understand that. Yeah. But, the, but the schools are dead. They, they are like – there's a picture of a ship. It's been beached. It's it's lying on its side. It's that cruise ship that 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 tilted on its side, and and people. It's dead. It's it's ready to be cut up into pieces. This is the older generation of of trustees making this decision, influenced by a younger generation of perverted zealots. You have got to get your kids out of that system. So much so that the system stops getting financial support, that the numbers decrease so much that that, that the, the system is crippled. It's the only way that we are actually going to defend our children because even guys like Josh, they just got sidelined. You are talking about a child being removed from school for speaking the words out loud God created them male and female in his image. He created them. I'll go so far to say, because I think uh, I got skin in the game on this. You are abdicating your duty before the Lord to raise the children he has given you. If you are sending them to public school and claim to be a Bible believing Christian absent the extenuating circumstances. And I have grace for that. And I get that. And I encounter those circumstances as a lawyer. If you don't have those, you are abdicating your duty as a parent. I have made great sacrifices to prevent my kids from going to public school. It has cost me my health, my time, my money, my energy, but that's what the Lord demands of me. And that's what I must do. And, and you will and get all of that back when your kids become moral, competent, God-loving adults. And, um, I'm seeing my kids enter into their, into their twenties and finishing off their teens. Um, and it is just a joy to watch them in all their strengths. You know, they're, they're getting job offers left, right, and center because they're honest and they're ready to work hard. And those two factors alone. So folks, people are often wondering, well, what do I do? 
get your kids out of the public system. If you're already out of the public system, then support others and help others get good Christian co-ops going yeah. and, and support yeah. others. There's, this is a great opportunity for evangelism. There's a lot of non-Christians who are saying, we don't know what to do get if they're, if they're bringing their kids out, don't let them come into your co-op as equals and as, as individuals who are just going to sideline everything, bring them in as young disciples and tell them about the ways of the Lord and you will do great things. And, and, and you will actually see you and your neighbors building up resilient young adults, but you've, that's a very simple application point. The time is done. Any church that is not out loud saying this and supporting people, you got to be careful. That church is likely compromised. If they're not thinking about education, if they're not thinking about alternatives, they're likely just, you know, a number of hirelings or guys who are still asleep at the wheel. This has got to be something that you solve personally and, and, and really make a decision to get your kids out. Even as James and I fight for Josh, both, my kids haven't been in a public school for 15 years. So and I, I, I get, I get the cost. Okay. The financial cost, I get it. Okay. Like I get the fact that like you, you will, if you're a, if you're a dual income family and you have to be in order to pay the bills, there's a massive sacrifice to make. I get it. And I've made it. And that's, we've made it the whole time that we've had our kids. And all I, all I can say is it's worth it. Okay. You're not taking that stuff with you, but what you will take with you when you when you get up there for judgment day is how how did you raise your kids? It's it's it is a sacrifice. Don't get me wrong. I, I know what I'm asking. I know all I can do is say it's worth it. So to the point. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to say to people: If you want to see this, and you should want to see this decision, okay, we can take legal action to see it. Okay, there's two ways to do that. We can simply challenge the publication ban, or more properly, the sealing order of keeping the decision secret. We can challenge that to get a hold of it, or we can simply appeal this decision. Okay, if we appeal it, right, then part of the appeal will be to unleash the shackles and let this decision from the trustees become public. Okay, those are our legal options, but they take resources. We, you know, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I always struggle with how to say this. I'm not a, I'm not a trust fund baby. I got, I got, I got a law office to operate. I got, I got a business to run and it takes resources to take legal action and to do it right and to do it well. And that's what I do. And that's, that's very important to me and the people who work with me. Um, if we're going to do this and I think it should be done. Okay. But it's going to, it's going to take the resources. If you support this, then I'm going to ask you once again to contribute financially toward this to make it possible. Because I can tell you right now, we're not going to be able to do it. And, and you can go into this, of course, Michael, we're not going to be able to do it if people don't help us do it. This whole thing is driven by crowdfunding. What do people want? What do the, what do the listeners, Christian or otherwise, presumably most of them are Christian, what do they want? What are they willing to contribute towards? And this isn't going to happen. The appeal or the challenge of the publication ban isn't going to happen if we don't have the resources. I don't want to guilt anybody. I understand, you know, this isn't, this isn't that. I know, you're, I know you're going to say something to that. But I'm telling you, if you care about this and, you, and if you have the means, 
please support it and support it quickly because there's a, there's a small window of time that we have to take legal action on this to expose the decision. And if we don't, it'll be forever uh, secret unless somebody, somebody breaks that. It'll be forever secret. And you and nobody else will ever get access to this and the school board will get away with it, scot-free. So if you want to hold them accountable, you want, you want to see us do what's right and take legal action against this, we got to have financial support to do that. Yeah. And everybody, I know that we've been asking quite a bit for funds uh, in the last number of months. Let me just try to give you a bit of a breakdown. Every, every single person at Liberty Coalition Canada is financially invested from our board members to the reduced rate that uh, James gives to the... Um, volunteer hours that I give and the financial commitments that, that I, that I am committed to, um, all the way down, you know, we've got, we've got a number of volunteers who just for years have been volunteering and they haven't, they haven't simply, they haven't received a dime. And so this truly is a ministry for us. And we were asking for help in the, in, uh, in the, in, the end of 2023 and and we did finish 2023 in the black based upon some of the financial commitments that that came in and we would praise the lord for that and when mm -hmm. i say in the black that means it brings us up to nil with 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 our bills it, it means that we're starting this new year with net zero and james and i have the difficult decisions to make about whether or not, okay, can we keep fighting certain cases? And of course, we have made a commitment to finish with the cases that we have um, already committed to. And so folks, if you're listening to this and you've got someone who we represent, it, this is not, but in this case, this would be another, this would be a new thing for Josh. Like Josh could just, okay, I've been ruled against. They've sealed it. Um, we have tried our very best to fight well. We've informed people along the way. But, you know, Josh can just move along with his life. Or we can try to have this unsealed. So look, uh, when, when James says the time is short, we have 15 days to raise $5,000 in order for have, to have this unsealed. So we have 15 days. We have till January 15th. And if we receive donations to our legal fund, again, this isn't now to the podcasting, which is donated to Christian Week and and um, and the, the support over there for our, our worldview training. Now we're talking about the the legal side of things that uh, James focused in on. We need five five thousand dollars in the next um, in the next fifteen days, and so we would encourage you to go online, and uh, that that's going to be the only way we're going to turn it around fast enough. Online, just go online and make your contribution. If we receive that money then we will proceed with either of the two options that James has talked about. If not, we're going to have to let this one go and just stay focused on some of our other cases that are uh, in, in, um, in an ongoing, uh, more in a, I don't want to say ongoing basis, but they're, but they're, they're mid management. You know, that this is, this is kind of the tail end of Josh's case. And we're saying, do we want to keep pressing? We want to be mm -hmm. faithful to the other cases that we're mid management on. And so um, we're, we're looking for your help. Please give generously. Take your kids out of a public school. Help others take their kids out. And um, you can donate right now uh, to help us uh, appeal this uh, and, and follow through with Josh. Look, it's been an hour and 18 minutes. I know sometimes James and I go long, folks. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for learning. 
We pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he will make his face to shine upon you. I feel like I'm giving you a pastoral benediction. Uh, Godspeed, everyone. <laughs>